Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Today, we're going to take a look at how to invest like the top 1% using private placements. Sam Bates is a real estate entrepreneur who has been directly involved in acquisitions and development of over $200 million in multifamily acquisitions. He is also an owner and advisor in other real estate companies. So Sam, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that might have helped you to be who you are today. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on. And you were talking about formative years. I honestly, it starts from one of the first memories I've, I have. And I remember my grandpa telling us he was retiring. And the first thing out of anybody's mouth came from me. <laughs> and it was, what are you going to do for money? <laughs> and I, I feel like since a little kid I always had a fascination and also maybe security issues around money, but that led me to always be interested in investing. And initially it was the stock market. I started investing in the market when I was 10 or 11 wow. with the help of my mom and granddad. And then when I got to college, I decided to get my undergrad in finance. Then I worked as an investment analyst and I quickly realized that while the stock market is a great avenue and tool to invest, you have absolutely no control of it. And oh. I worked as an analyst for a couple of years and then went to grad school. And when I was in grad school, the stock market crashed and Man. I quickly saw family, myself, clients, portfolios drop 20, 30, sometimes 50%. Uh -huh. And it made me reevaluate how to save for retirement, how to invest my own personal funds. And actually in grad school, I read some real estate books. I thought about honestly, again, my master's in grad school, but, or my master's in real estate, but I decided to go personal financial planning. And after graduation, I had some money. I decided to start investing in private placements. I, I'd never heard about them until 2009. And luckily by luck, by <laughs> whatever you want to consider it, I ran into a guy who was the owner of a television repair shop and he told me about private placements and that kind of started my journey into private placements and learning what real estates are real estate syndications are and how they can be a lot more fruitful and stable than investing in the traditional stock or bond markets well sam that's a, a great segue uh, into what we're going to be talking about today and that is in particular private placements and i know many of my viewers and listeners know what those are, but there are, of course, some who do not. So tell us what is a private placement? Yes, there's many definitions, but according, or at least my definition is investing in private companies that aren't public. And typically we invest in real estate. So we'll create what's called private placement memorandums and they'll be, we'll register with the SEC. We have attorneys draft it. So it's a complete legal and binding document. But it allows people to invest in opportunities that they wouldn't have in public markets. There are a lot of pros to it. There are some cons to it, such as they aren't as a they aren't as liquid as buying a mutual fund, stock, bond, whatever. But the upside and the return from private placements that investors have gotten over the years, I think, 
far surpass any of the downsides that are associated with them. Well, thank you for uh, that explanation. And of course, generally speaking, we're hoping for better returns through those private placements than what we're going to get through generally investing in the public funds on the open stock market. And yet all, all things go through cycles, whether it's real estate or whether it's the stock market itself, everything is going to go through cycles. So how do you protect your, your investors from those down cycles, which it looks like we may be going through one at this point in time? Yes, definitely. Well, I focus mainly on real estate, but I have invested in some other companies such as software companies, software tech, and IoT. And those we protect from the downside is since they aren't tied to the actual market. If the company itself is generating good returns, it'll hedge, I guess, of price valuations. And also you don't have to sell right during a specific time like you might have to in the market. But in real estate, and like I was saying, and from the bio, that's what I typically focus on. And we either develop or buy underperforming assets. So we, if we develop, we're creating value through the development process and we build typically right at cost or cost plus a few percent. So we're building assets that are valued significantly higher than the costs that our investors pay. And then on acquisitions, we're going in and buying value-add opportunities. Over the last decade or so, value-add opportunities are harder and harder to find just because people are starting to buy them and flip them. Not like single-family houses, where right now you would be buying a property that's been bought and flipped and sold probably three or four times. But you can still find issues with operations, um, maybe only a percentage of the units have been renovated so you can go in and renovate them and bring them up to market luckily with real estate usually it does well in inflationary times and right now even though interest rates are increasing market rents have increased significantly like we have a deal in orlando year over year i haven't factored in this month's rent but august to august was a 28 percent year over year rent growth so um there's a lot of ways that we hedge against the downside and what I love about multifamily and commercial real estate in general is the work you do, you can basically force appreciation because the value is based on net operating income. Unlike single family houses where it's more based on comps and just what the overall market is doing. Granted, there's cap rate adjustments, increases or decreases, but if you force that appreciation through increased efficiencies with operations, you're still going to add value. Well, obviously, t- uh, real estate uh, is typically going to do well in inflationary environments because of the appreciation of the properties. Right. And you mentioned diversification as one way that you are uh, protecting your investors. But before we go into all of those nuances and 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 what have you there, you talked about uh, preparing a private placement agreement. So uh, give us a little more detail in terms of how it is that you are actually working with investors. Are are you investing directly in syndications or do you have a fund uh, that your investors are investing in? We actually have both. Predominantly, probably 80 to 90 percent of our deals are syndications where creative a syndication for each specific investment 
And we either do 506B or 506C syndications, which means 506C, we can go out and market to anybody. 506B is we can only work with people we have pre-existing relationships with, but it allows us to take non-accredited investors. We can take up to 35. And a lot of our investors aren't accredited. So we typically go the 506B route, but we do have a land fund that we started a couple of years ago now, and it's just to go and buy land and take it down and do the horizontal construction. And then we sell it to other entities when we decide to go vertical. And going forward, we'll still do syndications, but we're also plan on creating uh, two funds, one a multifamily development fund and a multifamily acquisition fund next year. Well, explain to us what is the difference between the horizontal development and the vertical development. The horizontal is taking raw land sometimes. Well, we usually go through the zoning process of rezoning it from whatever it is to multifamily or even single family developments that it seems like when you have unzoned land and you go through the the, uh, the zoning process, you create a lot of value that way. So we can buy land significantly cheaper than if we did if we bought it when it was already zoned multifamily. So that's also another hedge that we do for our investors. Um, and then it's putting in the utilities, doing the groundwork. And then when we go vertical is when we're putting in the the foundation and what you see really from the building, the foundation, the sticks, bricks, roofs, everything like that. Okay. So vertical, essentially anything above the ground, the horizontal is, is, is the zoning processes and, and anything that is under the ground, including utilities. Does that include, uh, would, would the horizontal include sewer systems as, as well as, uh, electrical and plumbing or the plumbing, the sewer, we, at least our group, we classify it under the horizontal also yeah. going through and getting the permits, the architecture, the engineering, all, all the plans needed oh, okay. to go vertical. Okay. So everything prior to actually the, the process of process of actually the construction process of the buildings, whether they're single family or multifamily or whatever. Correct. Okay. All right. Interesting there. So you also say that private placements provide uh, transparency to investors. Talk to us about what you mean by that and how, how does that differ from a public offering? I think when investors invest with us, they have more intimate knowledge of what's going on with each project and investment that they invest in. We send out monthly emails showing what's going on with the property, monthly financials. We'll send pictures, sometimes videos of the process or how operations are going. And when you invest in a public company, yes, you get the 10K, 10Q, things like that. But I can't call the CEO a Coke or Boeing or whatever and talk to him about a specific deal or acquisition or just overall operations. And all our investors can call me, they can call our investor relations group. Um, they can talk to really anybody on our team that they want. And it just provides another level of accountability for us, but also they get to know what they're investing in on a more intimate detail than if they were in a Fortune 500 company. So you say that everyone uh, who is investing should be investing in multifamily assets. Why do you say that? I think it's especially over the long haul. I mean, 
real estate's made more millionaires than anybody in this country. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have their portfolio in stocks and bonds or, I mean, crypto <laughs> over the last five years has become really hot. I think diversification is key, but investing in real estate, I think is paramount to creating alpha in portfolios that uh, you might not have. And if you look at, you can invest in REITs, but if you look at REITs over time, they typically perform with the market. I think yeah. part of it is they're tied to the market. And also, um, they typically invest in the high AAA class assets, such as office buildings, apartments in uptown or downtown communities that are the best in, um, best areas in the city and where you can create higher returns, maybe in the BC class space where there's more value to add, because if you're buying a class, a triple A class rated building, you can't really add much value because it's been built and it's a phenomenal piece Damn. of real estate. I'd love to work there, live there, but I wouldn't want to invest in, in that Damn. type of asset. Well, REITs are, are often traded publicly. They don't necessarily have to be, but, uh, but often they are, right. uh, I guess it's one reason they are more tied to the market than what, uh, a regular private placement would be there. Well, Sam, tell us then how how can uh, those who are interested, how can they uh, take advantage of what you have to offer in terms of the private placements? How can they get in touch with you and how specifically are they going to be able to actually interact with you? Yes, um, you can go to my website or go to basecapitalgroup.com slash invest. And you can get a good idea of the projects we've worked on. Um, and then you could schedule a call with me. You can reach out to me through social media. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook more so than the other social media websites, but I can respond that way. Um, they'll, they'll be able to set up a 30 minute call. We can talk, we can discuss if it's right, right for them. Um, because some people. I mean, we have investors that are in their 60s or 70s that want the cash flow for income and supplement their retirement. So they'll typically invest in acquisitions where they might not development because the development could take two or three years before it produces any type of returns. So we can go over their risk profile, their needs, and just see if if it's a good fit. Well, you offer the non-accredited uh, investors an opportunity to invest. Do you have a minimum that you require? And what is that minimum? It depends on the asset. Typically, the minimum is 50000 Um, Sometimes it's 100000 depending on just the project and the scope. But we, we do offer different options for investors and are looking to grow our investor base. One of my goals and priorities is to try to make as many millionaires as I possibly can. And I know being a non-accredited investor, you probably don't qualify for that. So helping people get into the, get into investing, um, and just growing their capital is, is a pursuit of mine that I take seriously. Well, and, and it seems to me, I, I mean, there are, um, are other private placement organizations out there that do offer unaccredited investors opportunity. But from my experience, they're kind of 
hard to find and they seem to me to be getting even harder to find. So it's good to hear that there is an organization that is still offering those opportunities because, well, all investors have to start someplace. And like you say, not everybody is yet a millionaire. And yet there are a lot of people out there who do have funds to invest and who are looking for uh, good opportunities to grow their capital and their investments. So in in terms of, of, just give us a little more information in terms of how it is that your company works. Do you work or do you go out and you're looking for operators to invest with or is your company primarily a primary investor and uh, primarily the general partner in the, uh, in the opportunities that you're working with? And I'll focus on the real estate just because that's what I traditionally work with and work. That's what I traditionally do. We're the GP in all of our deals. Um, we're the operator. We create the LLC that invests directly into the asset. I've worked with two partners for since 2014, 15. And one of them I knew since 2009 from working at consulting group. And we've come together and we've done about 15 or 16 projects. Um, and we have over 400 units in development right now. And we've built out a team of roughly 50 to 55 employees. So my, my capital company is base capital group, but all the projects are done through systematic capital, which we basically rebranded and started that last year and just want to create cohesive cohesiveness and i know when i say cohesive it's weird that i'm promoting base capital but we just haven't got the marketing up to date with systematic but I, i've worked with the same two partners almost eight or nine seven or eight years now and so we definitely have cohesion and we, we hold each other accountable unlike a lot of people that raise capital and just invest in gps and they might invest in 20 gps in one year and they really don't have a lot of control over what they do Bye. so um that was one thing as a limited partner, I learned it was a good way to invest, but I didn't have the control that for my personality, <laughs> for myself <laughs> required or needs. So uh, I like to be hands-on and working with the property managers and the contractors and just really every part of the process on a hands-on basis. And luckily we've created a vertical, vertically integrated company where we can create our own economy. We can take the land from raw dirt and turn into the final that piece. Happens. We even have a title company and most people can't say that. So you, you do ground up, but you also, you said you also work in the C and the B uh, class repositioning of, yes. uh, of properties. My guess is here that, uh, I, I mean, a, as a real estate investor, uh, you want to uh, to rather than you want to be in the market for time and you work on a time basis, whether that is purchasing a value add property or, or, uh, or, uh, development rather than trying to time the market. I'm sure you want to do both with both of those kinds of assets, but which do you consider to be the best opportunity uh, the reposition or the development in terms of of a market that may be stagnating. Where do you want to be for a market that's stagnating? I would personally prefer development, and the reason I say that is 
we develop mainly in the secondary markets around DFW. So we're building assets, brand new assets, anywhere from 130,000 a unit to 160,000 a unit, where if we're buying B or C product, I mean, even I would say even D, I know brokers don't want to hear that, but (laughs) some D product is more than what we can build uh, an asset for. So I'd much rather have a brand new asset in a high quality neighborhood or high quality area where we get a better tenant base than we might in a C or D area. Like this year, we focused solely on development. We have four development projects going and I knew multifamily acquisitions, pricing would change. I didn't know how much, but with interest rates rising, pricing's definitely going to change. And this year we've seen a, I mean, depending on the market, anywhere from probably a 10 to 20% decline in pricing from earlier this year. And I think it could still go down. Um, So right now we're just focusing on development and we focus in areas that have growing cities or in the path of progress. And they have to have, they have to meet certain uh, income requirements, but um, those are some of the biggest factors we look at and supply and demand. But um, the markets that we focus in, since they are smaller than say downtown Dallas or Fort Worth or whatever, there's typically a demand and all the reports and third-party studies that we do prove out that demand. Yeah. Well, how is it uh, that investing in real estate creates an unfair advantage uh, for investors? Uh, I think there's several ways. <laughs> um, the The first is just the tax breaks you get. The IRS, of course, has put in different tax advantages and tax um, deductions that certain groups can get. Um, real estate's one of them. Oil and gas is one of them. But for the investors that don't know some of the tax advantages is you can, you get to depreciate all your losses. So if you're a, classified as a real estate professional, you get to deduct it off your ordinary income. But if you're a limited partner, you can deduct it off the sell uh, and, and the gain you get when you go to sell a property. So that helps offset some of the tax liability. Cost segregation studies are massive and I feel like they've gotten a lot of notoriety the last five years or so, but it's basically you bring in an accountant in an engineering firm to separate all the different parts of the building. Um, since IRS depreciates buildings at 27 and a half years, uh, HVAC or toilet it's not going to last that long. So we can go in and basically just segment what the life of each asset is. So that increases appreciation. And then another big advantage that real estate has over other businesses is I don't know of another lender that's going to lend 70 or 80% on a business outside of real estate. So you get to use leverage just to magnify the returns. Um, obviously the more leverage you have, some would say it's a riskier investment, but for multifamily, if you're in the 60 to 70% range, I think you're really pretty safe, especially when you're in areas that we invest where population growth is happening. Um, I mean, the Texas or the Texas triangle, which is Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio area. I mean, it's supposed to double in the next 
30 years in population. Uh-huh. So it's hard to go against those odds. Right. Yeah. Well, Sam, uh, what is one of your uh, biggest setbacks uh, and how did you deal with that time? And uh, what did you do to come through that? I've, I feel like I have failures and setbacks almost <laughs> on a daily basis, but the biggest professional setback I've ever had was I was at a consulting company. Um, I was in oil and gas consulting and I was laid off um, just because of the market. And it made me realize that my dad and grandfather and all the people older than me told me about get a good job, get a safe job, save with the company 20, 30 years and then retire just isn't the case in this economy. And mm-hmm. it made me realize I needed to invest like real estate or other investments. And the more I dug into real estate, the more I realized it made sense from so many levels. And it just helped me um, take that step. And maybe if I had had it been laid off, I would have had more security around my job. But since I had already done it, since I already been laid off once, I realized if I fell, I can always go get another job. So that helped me help push me to just start truly going after my goals and dreams and real estate. Well, Sam, it has been a pleasure having you with us today. Informative uh, interview, and we appreciate you being with us. Enlightened investors, thank you for being with us today and look forward to being back with you in our next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.